The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. All right. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell the untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. I'm super excited to have Brad on with us. He's the CEO at Aloha, which is an employee-owned and operated certified B Corp committed to the healthiest, best tasting plant-based protein products on the planet. Crazy story how they're dispersed workforce and they like everything against the grain, they're going to do it. Aloha product portfolio includes protein bars, protein drinks, protein powders. They're USA organic, non-GMO, project verified, soy free, all the stuff that makes them super healthy, which is why they've been very successful. So I can't wait to dive into this brand, how it's been successful. Yesterday, Brad and I talked about rebuilding the Aloha brand, you know, one of the leading brands in an insane competitive category. I think you said a $6 billion category. I mean, protein bars, very competitive, and uh, they're winning in that world as a smaller independent, which I love. Big fan of David and Goliath's stories here. But today, I want to talk about applying the goalie mentality to CPG brand success. I have no idea what the goalie mentality is, but I like it because I think it's going to save us some money. Here's my conversation with Brad, the CEO of Aloha. What's up, man? We're hey, back. Scott, how are you? Good. We're back. We're back. back. Part two. We're back. Uh, exactly. What? Okay. So you said you played hockey earlier. I'm a big hockey fan. Ever since I helped the Coyotes with their brand strategy in Phoenix, Arizona, I never played hockey, but I ended up loving it. My kids love it. What a fun sport. I think I kind of know maybe what a goalie mentality is about, but actually I don't think I know. So I, I want to hear what's what's the goalie mentality. I mean, you are definitely a CPG guy, PNG, Pepsi. Those are some of the best in the world, in my opinion. I'm obviously biased, but what do CPG brands need to know? What is the goalie mentality? Look, this is you know I grew I grew up in in Minnesota, as you say. Yeah, I mean I was an intern at Procter. Minnesota, don't you know? Let's go. Let's don't talk about nothing better this time of year than ice fishing with with a, a bunch of booze. Um, <laughs> you could do your next podcast from an igloo. Highly recommend. That would be awesome. I think we should do that. You can totally Lots do that. You can totally figure that out. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, no, I mean, look, I mean, I grew up, uh, grew up playing hockey, playing puck. I still do it. Play about three times a week. Now it's my outlet. It's unfortunately being a beer league goalie is better is what I do better than other things. It's not a highly transferable skill. You can't make any money on it, but your course lights are relatively free. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I mean, I learned a long time ago in the net that to make the game slower, you just got to control the variables you can control. Let's simplify, simplify, simplify. The, the job is to keep the puck out of the net, out of the net, right? And if the puck goes in the net, your job is to stop the next shot. Uh, that's it. 
I used to do, and then you're alone for some parts of the game. And, and as you get older, the fans are chirping. It's a lot of fun. And I've heard my mother called interesting names from the stands. It's always you know, the more creative, the better. Uh, but it's about simplicity and slowing things down. And so I would, I'm a big fan of like probability analysis and I'm a big fan of <laughs> like imperfect decision trees. And, and like, I try to do all the stuff we saw Zach Galifianakis do in, in like the hangover movie. I try to do that in my head, watching what things are going on and then translate that into business. the wolf pack? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. He's a one man wolf pack at the table. A one man wolf pack. <laughs> big, fan. big fan of the one man wolf pack. Oh, um, huge fan of wolf pack. But look, I mean, goalies are, it's a lonely position. CEOs, it's a lonely position. Being a startup, it's a lonely position. The odds are against you uh, more times than not. And it's an opportunity to be the hero of the goat. And you have to learn to deal with successes. You have to learn to deal with failures. My father told me a long time ago, you're not as smart as people think you are. And you're not as stupid. And so that even keel mentality is something that I've really gone back on as, as refounding Aloha. We talked yesterday about the refounding of the company. It was a different kind of company. I'm not the original founder of it. it. It was a great idea in theory that was poorly executed and it was going bankrupt. And so I came in and refounded it to set it up on the right framework. And it was painful at times. It's difficult starting a company, let alone undoing things that you didn't create, but it's even more fulfilling to bring something that was dead. And you make it, you know, alive, like like in Game of Thrones. Uh, what is dead will never die. So that's the goalie mentality. It's it's translating the loneliness of this position. It's about uh, focusing on what you can control. It's about staying even keeled. And that prioritization and that focus is what's really super critical in a small company environment because you don't have the ability to make big mistakes and you don't have the, a lot of money to solve problems. And you have to be very resourceful going up against much, much bigger scaled companies. And you have to pay them the respect that they've earned in becoming big. Uh, they're not stupid. They're very big. Uh, they're very scaled and they know what they're doing. That doesn't mean you can't win. You can win, but it has to be done thoughtfully. Okay, let me let me break this down a little bit. And I, I couldn't agree with you more that the thing that stuck out to me is when you talked about simplifying the game and slowing down the game. For me, a lot of people know my story, but you know, I'm a college dropout. I got in the media business and now I've run agencies for 15 years and have hundreds of employees and big fortune 500 clients, which uh, is insane because like you, like I don't feel smart. I never got an A on a paper in my life. And so the streets are, you know, in, in some ways, like where I've learned how to do things. I learned things for working on Pepsi and working with brands and just kind of street hustle that figured it out. And so anybody that's anybody, any CEO or any person that, that success, like actually doing something, I would just try to go see and try to get two minutes of their time, five minutes of their time. And there's people like Todd Davis, who founded LifeLock, who's been a mentor of mine and other people I've just listened to. That's why I love podcasts is because... I think people are filled with so much shit about what they need to be doing, about what Harvard Business you know, Journal Review article, they need to structure things. And real CEOs that are in the trenches have such different advice in terms of simplifying the game, which is what you talked about, which is what I think this goalie mentality is talking about. We don't have to get fancy and we don't have to overdo it. Like we just have to not get shots in the net and stop the puck and to slow things down and to prioritize focus one by one, one thing at a time and slug through the art of and science of business. I think what I'm hearing. You kind of inspired me because I love what you're saying. It's I, I've never heard the goalie mentality. I'm going to have to steal it. 
Because when you talk to CEOs, when you talk to entrepreneurs, even myself, I feel overwhelmed. I feel imposter syndrome. I feel not qualified. And I'm sure there's markers out there too. I talk to CMOs all the time that feel outgunned and the board's against them. And they're just all this shit and you need to slow down and just make sure pucks don't get in the damn net. Yeah. uh, Well, I mean, look, the world's hard enough. Business (laughs) is hard enough. Uh, Like, yeah, it's, it's really about, it's about controlling the controllables. I mean, young goalies, like my daughters, my youngest daughter is a goalie. I have three daughters at play. All really, they're wonderful. Like my job was to introduce them to this great game and they've made it their own, which is incredibly fulfilling as a father. That's cool. But I see young goalies trying to flash the leather, trying to make the outrageous save. And they're thinking about doing something miraculous when, you know, there's a time for that. There's a time for a miraculous game-saving save. It's just not most of the time. Most Mm. of the time, it's do what you're supposed to do. It's follow the numbers. It's work, work in the probabilities. It's make it make the other player make the first move. Use the advantages you have as opposed to thinking about all the things you don't have. I mean, it's I learned this. I mean, I've been at Challenger Brands for most of my career. After being classically trained, I went to Under Armour to fight against Nike. I went to Chibani <laughs> to fight against Dan and yep. Yoplay. I mean, those are the kind of things where there's all these advantages in your competition, but you can also focus on what you do have. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're honest with yourself, and we talked yesterday about about knowing, like, like really looking at yourself with without rose colored glasses, like mm-hmm. that's critical in this stage because you need to have the self reflective nature to know what you're really good at and know what you're potentially more weak weaker at. And that goalie mentality is is critical, I think, when you're really struggling against all the disadvantages that you have. And mm-hmm. I give a lot of credit to founders in general; they got just guts. <laughs> like, I mean, like They're insane idiots. guts. They're beautiful savant <laughs> idiots. And like anyone in their and their mother would just never take on a challenge of founding a company and saying, well, well, who's your, and you go up to someone at a party and say, well, I founded a beverage company. They're like, oh, who are you fighting against? Red Bull. <laughs> yep. And you're like, yep. what? Or, or Gatorade. I'm fighting against Gatorade. Like, are you fucking insane? <laughs> like, like, like you're going against the biggest gorilla around. Yeah. Yeah. Under Armour. Let's go and, against Nike. Idiot. Kevin Plank. Let's yeah. go. Like, you know what? And then, you know, Nike had a chance to buy him and they said, no, nah, we don't, you know, we don't believe this guy, this tight t-shirt thing is going to be a thing. And Kevin, God love him. He just said, no, like, no, I'm going to, I'm not even going to beat them. I'm going to destroy them Balls and uh, be the biggest, baddest brand on the planet. And like that, confidence is what founders have in spades. I think the other side of the coin that founders, great founders, I think, or sustainable founders, successful founders have to, or, or my advice is that they should have is a little bit of self-reflection to, to yeah. counter the confidence. And, and, <laughs> and, and again, just know yeah. not to make, don't make the silly mistake. If you get beaten because you've just been pounded to the ground, tip your hat, <clears throat> go after them around too, but, but don't do it to yourself. I mean, look at guys like Elon Musk, who's so damn smart, but like everybody has blind spots to your point. I love how you have articulated that. The other thing that really pisses me off, and I used to be in this camp a lot when they're like, I don't care about what the competition is doing. We're going to do what we're going to do. I'm like, how do you have differentiation if you don't know what the competition is doing? How do you know where you need to have that critical eye from your product to your marketing, to your marketing mix, to your tonality? I heard you in a bunch of different times the last couple of podcasts mentioned that too about understanding the competition. I'm a huge, huge proponent in that. So I, I've just heard so many nuggets all over the place. And I love I love the founder 
piece of, and I think it goes for anybody though. I do think in business, especially marketers, you have to have confidence. I mean, you have to have confidence to make big bets and that's hard to do, but you also have to have self-awareness and it's tough to have both and, and you're going to have uh, blind spots. I believe that's what really good friends are for is to not bullshit and be like, hey, you're acting like an idiot here. Hey, there's a blind spot here. You know, YPO, we call them blind spots. So I, I heard that as well, which I, I want to repeat because I, I do think it's important. It's definitely been important for me because either I don't have the confidence at times or other times I have too much confidence and there's a major blind spot. I'm about to get my ass kicked. What, what else? Look, can we Holy shit. Let's, this could be a masterclass. <laughs> God help us. The, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not drinking yet. So let's, let's pace <laughs> ourselves a little bit. We need some cores with uh, some C minuses. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it, it, like you said, there's, there's lessons here for any marketer. The best stale storytellers can authentically have, they have the confidence to go off and, and spin a narrative. And I don't mean spin in a pejorative way here. Like they can spin the narrative towards why their brand or their business or their product is more compelling than someone else's to get enough attention to get trial. I mean, from that moment in time, once you get the trial, like what the PG is the first moment of truth, right? So once you get the trial, like then it's up to your product and about to your overall commercial strategy. It goes back to a lot of businesses have failed during the last two years because their supply chain has, mm -hmm. there's been a chink in their armor in their supply chain. And so you had a great first experience and you spent the money on it and you got a great narrative and the consumer can't buy your product for four months and the consumer is going to move on. Like no one's that precious. Like, mm -hmm. I got needs. I got other stuff to do. The moment that you start believing your brand is is so bulletproof that a consumer is going to forego water, shelter, and Maslow's hierarchy of needs for it is the day <laughs> that you should walk off a plank because, like, that's – it's over. Like, you know, and you got to have an end game in mind. You brought up Twitter and so forth. I don't know what Elon's end game is. It's just to piss people off or what? Like, so like, having an end game, I think, is mm -hmm. really important as a marketer. What does success mean? Like, what do you want the consumer to take away and then go do? Not just hear, not just listen, but actually go and do. And even better is if then that consumer can espouse the belief structure of your brand. Like, will they become your advocates and really go and push for you because you treated them or you gave them an experience or gave them a product that met their needs and then some? Like, those are great sustainable brands and businesses. Those are businesses and brands I've always wanted to be a part of in my whole career because I believed in what we were doing. We had a means to win. And then at the end of the day, I didn't have to hear about it from ourselves, whether we won. I heard about it from third party, other. I heard it from others. And that made me feel like that was the virtuous cycle that really kind of made me ready for round two. Okay, so again, just really good sage advice, especially for scaling entrepreneurs here. But I want to do a thing. So we, we've been, we've, we've kind of ripped off a thing from Gary V because that's what good marketing is all about. Anyway, you just rip stuff off and tag it your own. And we have an underrated, overrated section for kind of different marketing kind of things going on in the industry. But I want to switch it around with you. I want to go CPG kind of underrated, overrated. So if you have a CPG brand out there, you're starting CPG and CPG brand, you work in CPG, What's getting overhyped? What's underrated from your perspective? It's almost like a hot, like a, you remember the Budweiser hot seat back in the day on ESPN? You yeah. Just kind of hype all these and it's like, that's overrated. That's underrated. And we just kind of have a quick debate towards the end here. I think it'd be really fun. Let's go. Right. Uh, I'm on the hot seat. Okay. We'll go hot seat. Okay. In CPG marketing right now, underrated, overrated. Let's go shelf space or even promotion at retail or the emphasis around 
your retail strategy? I think I know the answer, but we're going to ask you. Let's get more. Underrated. 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 You need to be on the shelf. You need to be on the shelf to be sold. Now, if you are, it doesn't mean I'm using shelf in the, in the right, in the holistic way in which the consumer says shelf. Yes. Thrive Market, if you're, you know, Thrive Market, Thrive Market is a shelf. Highly selective, curated assortment of brands, not just a free for all on Amazon or something, but a, if you are on their shelf, it's like being on a shelf at Whole Foods. It's highly selective and with a very kind of very tailored clientele who knows what they are. They know what they love and then their values based brands. So the answer is it is shelf space is underrated. You cannot get trial if you're not on the right shelves. I agree. And I, I think the D2C world has gotten a little too hot and there's still such value in retail because there is a there's an applied endorsement if you have retail at a Whole Foods or Sprouts or wherever. And it took I think me four years. Took four, me four years. Four years to get Whole Foods to call me back. Whole Foods wow. call me back for four years. What did you do? How did you how did you get in there? Relentless pursuit. No, I mean um, <laughs> You're like, we should freaking one, get I in here. Uh, I, I was asked the question by consumers, can I find you Whole Foods? And when I said no, they were surprised. Two two things, two reasons we got in. One, great employees. Great team mm-hmm. employees who told a good story. They used the right data and the right fiction, the right fact and fiction to tell the story about why we belonged. It's all about the company you keep, right? Why we belonged. Two, we showed it was working in other places that Whole Foods respected the data. Mm-hmm. So they had a confidence that when it was on their shelf, it was going to perform. So they, it was their endorsement that because their shelf space is finite, it was going to meet their expectations for what their business metrics were. So those two reasons, internal team did a hell of a job selling it. And the second is that Whole Foods respected the approach. And that's why we got in and we're killing it in Whole Foods. I love, oh, wow. I love that. I mean, most people are like, oh, I'm not, I want to be in Whole Foods. I want to be like, okay. I mean, you you have to be damn good to get that that endorsement and to be in that channel. It took you four years. That's insane. Let's go overrated innovation. You mentioned CAC earlier and lifetime value. I think a lot about that, especially is everyone wants to be a D2C brand and thinks there's return on ad investment in a crowded category like Instagram and Facebook. Do you think D2C in Instagram and Facebook is underrated and overrated right now? Overrated. It's overrated. What matters does your is the is the raw number of CAC does that need to be be thoughtful? Yes. Does your LTV need to go up? Yes. Does your CAC need to go down? Yes. Does your engagement need to be higher? Yes. But what I like to focus on is profitability. I like to focus on profitability. Is my first order profitable or not? Because that tells me whether my business is innately sustainable or not. Because if if it's not profitable, then I'm relying on the cash flows of the company to sustain an investment approach. And when debt's higher, and, and again, I already talked yesterday, I don't like raising money. It makes me feel guilty. Like, I don't want to be beholden on anyone. So I think that it's relevant. It's relevant data. But just having higher LTV and lower CAC doesn't tell me anything if I don't understand the operating margins of the enterprise. Yeah. Okay. That's against the grain. And I love that. What about Amazon then? Underrated, overrated? You're in Whole Foods. So I, <laughs> do, I know do that business on Amazon? You. you have to be. I don't think it's under or overrated. I think you have to be on Amazon. If, unless you're a frozen brand or mm-hmm. there's something in the supply chain that Amazon can't do right. I don't know why you wouldn't want to be in the biggest democratized marketplace in the world. 
<laughs> like think about all the millions upon millions of prime members. We find our Amazon media spends to be quite efficient, to be perfectly yeah, honest. And I'd like, agree. And you're in Whole Foods. So from what I know about Amazon great point. that's help. That's that's helpful to if you have that Whole Foods stamp of approval, some of your Amazon ad buys can look really efficient from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah, you have to be in business. I mean, one man's opinion. You have to be business on Amazon because that's where the consumer is. If the consumer wants me on Amazon, I'm going to be on Amazon. Okay, are you doing experiential? What about experiential marketing boots on the no, ground? No, I'm not. I don't, uh, so overrated. And that doesn't hey. mean I don't want people to try my product. I just, it's not surgical enough for me. I can't target to the degree I can, I can do a lot more digitally to target now, even with the iOS changes. Yep. I can do a lot more to target it and I'd rather reach I'm not big enough or my budgets are still much more efficient than other brands I can't win with blunt force trauma so I have to be more surgical so I mean you must be massively invested in web 3.0 and crypto and nfts you just must be all about that right I'm big time me and uh <laughs> I'm gonna go to the Bahamas I'm gonna go to the Bahamas <laughs> next week we're gonna have <laughs> it's gonna be great Congress hasn't yeah. called me yet so yeah. uh, I'm just going to look at my digital wallet. And while I'm at it, I think I'm going to go to my basement and mine something. So you just stand by for a little while. Okay? I'll yeah. Back. You would have laughed at Adweek, all the CMOs like, and we're trying this new Web 3.0 thing we're super proud about. And look at this sponsorship inside Roadblocks. And we're testing NFTs and crypto. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Thank you for clearing the air. And speaking of Getting back to the basics and playing goalie. Oh my goodness. Look, there are applications for NFTs and all sorts of stuff and what through now, but boy, it's, it's, <laughs> it seems to be like a luxury in a, in a land of, of necessities out there. Now, what about mass media? Yeah, I don't live in, I don't live in those worlds. I don't yeah, live me, in a world me, of, of, I mean, I live, I live in a world of scarce resources. <laughs> me, me, me too. What about mass media? Are you guys at the, at the, the size and scale for mass media efficiency or, or I mean, I know Pepsi no. and PG or no, not at all. Still digitally no, targeted. Look, I mean, we're, we're digitally targeted. Also, like just you're not producing. I would never have any creative that would have burnout. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not reaching each consumer 15 times before a purchase. Like we're not doing a whole big media exercise. Like I know out of home has worked for some brands. I'm just not we're not at that stage. And in a world where I can target people in concentric circles around my purchase occasions and drive them into the funnel and, and then know that that I have a really good product and a great repeat rate. My confidence ratio in investing in those is much higher. And and I think at the end of the day, goalie mentality means you have to like make your choices and live it. Yeah. And doesn't mean you can make three choices. The puck's coming. You got one thing to do. Like that's what we're gonna do. I just want to highlight a, a tactic that you talked about for our markers out there really quick. I heard digitally targeting retail retail accounts geographically to make sure, and I'm adding this part, make sure you're getting the turn rates. So that, to me, that's goalie mentality. That's back to the basic kind of stuff. That's efficient media and it's promoting your retail stores. And I don't think enough CPG brands are doing that, but is that, is that, did I hear that correctly? Is it as a topic? Yeah, surround sound. Yeah, okay. surround sound is important. Look, you surround invested sound, in the yes. shelf space. You invested oh. in the shelf space. It's like winning the account is not the end of the story. Let's not go pop champagne and get all excited. <laughs> like your job is in six months, do they want to expand? In 12 months, do they want to expand your footprint? Do they want I, to think of you, the, the moment an end cap comes up, Scott, I want to be the first call. Like, And I don't want to have to pay for it, by the way. I don't want to be like, hey, we got an end cap for $100,000. Whoever wants to do it, do it. I want them to say that your brands, my brands, Productivity per square inch or productivity per linear foot or whatever their metric is, 
is off the charts awesome that they almost have to say, hey, like, I'd love to just slot you in. Like, that's the highest degree of respect. That's partnership. That's what a retailer, we call it First Nation status. I'm never going to be as big as big as the bigger brands, Ooh. but I want and I deserve First Nation status. And that's what we're really, we play for. This is gold right here. First Nation status. I, I can't tell you over the last 15 years how much beverage launches that I've failed doing for people for a number of reasons, but I call it premature celebration based on getting into a retail account. I don't want to say hundreds, but it feels like hundreds of times people have got this purchase order and they're super excited and they're high-fiving everybody, whether it's been Walmart or Kroger or Whole Foods or whoever, and they didn't get the turn rates because they didn't spend the money. They didn't have a great tasting brand. They didn't price it right. A million different reasons why they didn't get the turn rates. And they had one order in six months, they were gone. And then they had a bunch of product they couldn't get rid of. Six months is when you know if you're going back. And that's really what you need to be focused on. And I love what you said, the surround sound, which is geo-targeting stores to make sure the turn rates are acceptable. And because again, you're trying to get First Nation status. Man, this this should just be broken out as the one thing and send it all CPG marketer, especially some of the, my young brand managers out there. Um, listen listen to this for sure. I think that's it. We're just people gold right now. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm, really humble about it, this, I'm telling you, no one talks about this shit. Like we're going to get nitty gritty. Well, look, it goes back to also, this is not just me saying this. It's the team of people that know what they're doing. We've made, we're not making silly mistakes. We do certainly do trial and error, but we don't just throw shit in the wall, hoping it's going to work. And so like knowing what you're going to try to do, measuring whether it worked, don't overanalyze it, don't underanalyze it. Just kind of like figure out whether it makes consumer, whether it's consumer right. Keep in check with your partners and what the scoreboard looks like. Like, where are the goalposts? We talk about that too. And then from a company standpoint, like, even for me as a CEO, I'm, I'm keeping my stakeholders engaged, making sure that everyone knows what the score is. We call it the freedom to operate plan, which means we do what we say we're going to do. And that's it. We do what we say we're going to do. Because then there's no questions. Like, you did what you said you were going to do. So you put three or four of those in a row, and all of a sudden you're building a a set, a data set that the next time you say something, people are more likely to trust you. That freedom to operate mentality is critical because as you grow and scale a company, the problems don't abate. They just change. The risks are, you never make it until you make it. And even then, I don't know what that even, what, like, what it, like, unless you sell and you're out, you're sitting on an island somewhere. <laughs> like, what does that even, what does it even mean? So I just got really esoteric in my own head. I know. I love, no, it's a, I, no, I'm just going to smack myself now. No, no, so. no. It, the best people that I've been, the people I've been attracted to from a, a learning standpoint have been talking about what you keep talking about, which is kind of get back to the basics. And there's an agency guy who runs an agency uh, in Atlanta, Fitzco, really good guy, runs an agency, kind of probably similar size to some of the agencies we have in our group. And it was this older guy, been in the business, and he kind of talked to all these other group of us CEO ad agency people. And it was, it was all this basic stuff, but like, it's what we needed to hear. I'm not saying your stuff was basic, but like it, there's so many things in terms of getting back to the basics, the blocking and tackling. If you don't have a running game in football, you're screwed. Like if the little things aren't done and that's what I think so many people do need to hear. In fact, I, I like visualize cause I'm super weird. Like that me and you and I'd get all these other like CEOs and CMOs. And, you know, next time we're at some stupid industry event, which I probably won't be at can next year because I'm tired of the industry kind of BS. But if I, we were, we'd have like these sunglasses on and we'd like have like this, this song and be like back to the basics. And we'd like 
you know, encourage people <laughs> to get back to the damn bases because we're we're getting out there, which is why you have FTX kind of crap that happens and eight billion dollar goes missing because we get we get too cute with stuff and we reach out and we have fear of missing out on too much stuff and it's not sexy and so we're missing. So um, again, I'm, I'm going to leave you all with that weird back to the basics song. So you know, maybe message us see if you can come up with a song about getting back to the basics. Um, but I am going to wrap up uh, this episode of the Rebirth Hunts. I'm way over this time, but I think it was worth it. Thanks to Brad Sharon, uh, CEO of Aloha, for joining us. If you'd like to contact Brad, you'll find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Uh, you can contact him on Twitter. His handle is uh, twitter.com backslash B-R-C-H-A-R-R-O-N. Again, their company website is aloha.com. Just one show note I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to the podcast, who does? Uh, we're going to put them all out for you on the rebrandpod.com. We're going to give you episodes and summaries and all the stuff you need right there. You can subscribe to our newsletter. If you want to talk about the most impactful marketing campaign, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Rebrand Podcast. We get a ton every day now, and we want the best ones on here. We're weeding these out and getting the best of the best on here. But if you have one of the best of the best, apply. We want to put you on. Of course, you can reach us on social media. Our handle is at rebrandpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all the stuff, Instagram. I think we're even on TikTok. We'll see how long TikTok's going to be in the US. Could be another topic. I'm on uh, Twitter at uh, SharkyAZ. We'll see if we'll uh, fire Elon Musk or not. But uh, you can also find me on all the other stuff. Just Scott Harkey on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the stuff. Please subscribe if you haven't yet, if you actually want to and want our stuff. Here's the deal. We just post a daily stream every day during the work week. It's pretty easy. So you subscribe and you want it, it's there. And then you can choose, do you want to listen to us or do you want to listen to how I built this? I don't know. Hopefully it's us. So again, hit that subscribe button, make it super easy. And remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.